One of my favorite product and innovation management conferences is in November in Orlando. You'll hear a little bit about it in this episode. The conference organizers reached out and they gave listeners to this podcast a 10% discount by using the discount code PMNPODCAST10. That's all one word, no spaces. So PMN for Product Mastery Now, Podcast 10. Register at pdma.org. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you can create products that your customers love. This episode is sponsored by the Product Development and Management Association, PDMA. PDMA has been curating the body of knowledge for product managers, leaders, and innovators, and helping them improve since 1976, the longest running product management professional group. And most of us haven't even known about product management, you know, for maybe more than 10 or 20 years. Yet PDMA has been improving the discipline for us for nearly five decades now. And I'm curious, are you involved in a professional group for your career? If we were project managers, it would practically be assumed that we would be somehow involved in the Project Management Institute because they're the go-to source, you know, for project managers. Well, what about us as product managers? PDMA is the professional group for us. However, what value does it actually provide? And are they staying up with current practice and the like? Is it worth taking time to look into? To help answer these questions, we are joined by Susan Pinta. She's the current vice chair of PDMA and also serves on PDMA's group responsible for certification, as well as the group that helps local PDMA chapters across the world. She's also the co-founder and managing partner at Meteor that's been providing professional services for 25 years to product organizations in a number of areas from product insights, product development and management, and technology platforms. It's also worth noting that PDMA is a volunteer-led organization. So like Susan, most of the people involved in its leadership have full-time jobs as well in different product roles yet they find time to contribute to this professional association. On and off, I've also been one of those contributors as well because I found PDMA to be helpful in my career development. And no doubt you'll find some intersections with your career development as well, and I think this will be an interesting discussion for us. As always, if you want detailed written notes of everything we talk about, including a one-page action guide of the key takeaways that Susan will be sharing with us, you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 406. Susan, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. First, I'd like to just kind of get your personal journey, kind of your story about how you got into product work. You know, people come from different directions and the sort. What was your journey like? So I think for me, I was really good in math as a kid, and I have a near photographic memory, which wasn't helpful You know, I was in high school in the late 70s and early 80s, and back then it was helpful, but it it wasn't really that helpful to life. And so when I was looking at colleges, of course, like most of us, someone handed you a pencil and gave you an SAT, you took it, and then they handed you some applications. And so anyway, somehow I slotted into engineering as a potential path for me. And so that's really where my journey began, Chad. I ended up with an electrical engineer from WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Worcester. And to be completely honest with you, all the things I loved about WPI were the project-oriented work that we got to do with people, solving world problems, intersecting with people and whatnot. What I didn't like was my first job. 
And my first job was as an analog design engineer working for a semiconductor fab. And I, that was just terrible. And so pretty quickly I aborted that and tried to figure out a different path. And I went to business school in London at what is, what is now known as the Bayes Business School, but what was then City University Business School and ultimately became Cass Business School and now Bayes. And so going to business school almost directly out of college, allowed me to marry kind of a, a love for technology and a love for people, problems, business. And when I came back to the States, I sent out a bunch of cold letters and I landed working for a company that made fixed function terminals, a mainframe and mid-range terminals, and as a product manager. And so someone gave me a shot and that is how I got into product management, 1987. <laughs> That's my, that's really my journey into product. And from then, mm -hmm. from then the journey, you know, we could, we could probably talk for an entire day about your journey and my journey and all the twists and turns, but suffice it to say, what I found was I am a product person by nature because I am a problems person by nature. I am always thinking about problems and how to solve them and matching products and now services and technology to those problems. So it ended up being a good fit for me. Excellent. Yeah, I appreciate that problem aspect as well, right? So people come to product management from different directions. I, I found educators, right, teachers and lawyers and all kinds of people that end up in these product roles. Probably the biggest buckets are from a marketing or maybe customer service, that customer perspective, and then the some you know engineering development kind of side of things. As we both did engineering school, fundamentally we learned to be problem solvers, right? That that's, seems to be the key theme through engineering school. Right. And I was an entrepreneur from an early age because I didn't grow up with a ton of money. And I was always about figuring out how to solve problems and transact with money. And so that also is a big fit for product, right? Entre you know, that's another angle that people come into product is through entrepreneurship. Absolutely. What was one of those early entrepreneur experiences to get some money? Let's see. Well, we won't talk about how I worked my way through school, but which was bartending, but I would do programming and type papers, mm. both simultaneously in college, trying to pay for school, which I was paying for. And that was really, I would say that was the start if I look back. And then I got into, you know, a variety. I was always helping friends and colleagues who had little businesses. So it might have been somebody, a colleague, of, a good friend of my husband started an oil business and he got into trouble. And I started helping with that and figuring that business out, mm. right? And pretty quickly, when I ended up as a product manager at that first first company, I was finding opportunities. And when I, I left that company to start a software company because of, of a problem that we saw there, we can talk about that if you want to. But most of my entrepreneurial experiences really have been around, have been need based, right? It's because there's been an issue. I needed money to buy food or to pay for school. People couldn't type, people couldn't program and so on. Very practical problems. Very practical problem. People couldn't do math. That was another one. Did a lot of math tutoring. Good. And I just want to point out this first product role was, well, role was 1987. Obviously, PDMA has been around a long time, so it started in 1976. But a lot of people aren't aware that there were product roles in, in the 80s, right? Right. I've been to conferences where people say things like, well, you know, this, is, this even as a job title has only been around 10 years. Well, actually, you know, we, we have this body of discipline, you know, body of knowledge that's right. has a bit more age on it. 
And PDMA has been very helpful with that. How did you first stumble across this organization? So that's a great segue, Chad, to be honest, because in fact, the the situation you're describing is why I found PDMA. So I started as a product manager in the 80s, and then I became a software company founder and entrepreneur. And when we sold, we, we didn't cash out with a, a gazillion dollars, but we, we got out of our software business cleanly. We were, we were way early to market with our technology. And I started Meteor, and we were asked to do product work. And so Meteor, we founded Meteor in January of 97, but our first project was in October of 96. And when we hired our first couple of people, I was looking for training. I was looking for training for the individuals that we were hiring because all of my product knowledge was based on experience and not necessarily based on any kind of formal product development, product management, playbook, rule book, training materials, and so forth. And so I started looking around and I had some colleagues in the New England area that were involved with PDMA and the PDMA New England chapter had disintegrated. And so we got talking and this was via, you know, just via some colleagues at WPI in Northeastern. One thing led to another and the idea was, oh, you know, PDMA has this huge knowledge base and you could use this as training. And at the same time, you could restart the New England chapter. That would be really cool. So that was how I, I found PDMA. And frankly, staying involved with PDMA has been for the same reasons. It has really been for the base of professional development that is provided, you know, whether that's through a knowledge base, whether that's through formal certification, things like that, or, or anything in between. You know, some intersections there with my experience, which was a, a little bit later, I was involved in project management by, you know, kind of a, a title for products, software product teams. So I learned a lot about project management and was very involved with PMI and, you know, did their PMP certification and the like. But figured there were some pieces that were being left out, right? Because typically in a project, you have requirements handed to you. Hmm. And we were involved with the customers and figuring out what the requirements were, right? What was the problem what we needed to do? And then there was more going on after launch, after we delivered the project, than project management could help me with. And for me, it was just a web search. There's a PMI. I wonder if there's some kind of association yeah. for people doing more product work. Stumbled across that. I think in 2006 was the first time in got involved with the local chapter, which happened to be imploding. The night I went, oh, they were saying experience, that this, yeah. yeah, they, they said that this was going to be our last meeting. And there happened to be a few of us that showed up that said we would be willing to put together a new board and, and try to revitalize things. And that went pretty well. And I just found value in what PDMA had developed at that point for the body knowledge and the relationships too were really helpful, right? Other people involved in product management that I never got to talk to, you know, at work. There's not that many people, uh, at least in my company. So it was useful to be able to talk to others. Personally for you, right, you said, you know, an important base of knowledge, especially for the new hires to know. But just elaborate for us a little bit, you know, personally, what kind of value have you found in uh, PDMA? So I think for me, I, I certainly got involved, as, as we just talked about, in the late 90s, but I ended up on the board in the early 2000s. That was my first tour of duty. And my interest at that point in PDMA was both for my firm and for me personally, but I would say more for some of the big vision 
that was being put out there. You know, PDMA has always been special because we bring together practitioners, service providers, and academics. And at that point, the concept of what we now call the NPDP certification was just getting started. And I was actually a part of that conversation. And so really being part of the narrative that was, okay, what would something like that look like, right? Would it be applicable across industries? And in fact, for me, a big industry for me is financial services and the discipline around product development and management was nascent, right? Because it was around that time that big financial services firms were recognizing that they were big technology companies. They were these big IT organizations. And so while PMI, you just spoke to that, might have had a little bit of traction around project management, the discipline of product development and product management really didn't exist. So PDMA was instrumental for me in helping my clients get exposed to that discipline and the value of the discipline. Now, the the challenges that surrounded that were the the traction around StageGate, as an example, as a framework and, and Bob Cooper's work and whatnot, was pretty significant in other industries. But in financial services, it really, it, it either didn't apply, it was hard to apply, or it didn't exist. And so PDMA helped me to help my clients with that. For me personally, you just spoke to it. It's also that you got to talk about product, right? And the, the challenges and opportunities around product as a discipline. And those were not really cocktail party conversations, right? right? And if you weren't necessarily some kind of special scientist or an engineer working on something at that point to do with dot com and the internet, you really weren't having conversations about, about what you were doing. And so, that part was a pleasure. And there were, there was a small group of us at the time that would get together. And it was just so refreshing. The PDMA Foundation was born out of some of those conversations that I was blessed to be able to be a part of and so forth. So we were, for me personally, I am all about the discipline and nurturing the discipline and the importance of that discipline being supportive in all of the different roles and across career journeys and frankly, across industries. And so that is for me, you know, what mad, why PDMA matters. And in many ways, it's also how it's helped me. Yeah, I think people are, are often surprised to discover that there's been this association for people doing product sort of work this long. It has a, a, a pretty robust discipline, right? This body knowledge to learn. Mm, yeah. And when I discovered their framework, you know, in my case, it was restarting this chapter in Denver, being part of on that local board. I just wanted to have a better understanding, and, and all of us did, of what does PDMA actually mean by, you know, their body knowledge. And we figured the fastest way to figure that out was to study for the MPDB certification yeah. and, you know, see, see what was there. And that was really useful to me. The uh, and, and I've since helped, you know, many others study for that as well. And frankly, it's not the certification itself isn't all that important. It's what you learn and getting ready to take the test, right? Actually integrating, you know, in my case, it was integrating 10 years of work experience into their framework to say, oh, wow, now I see how some of these pieces relate that I've never noticed before. And there were these wonderful aha moments that really helped me have a better grounding about product work and knowing what to do when and not get so caught up in some things. Right. 
So you, you mentioned a few things along the way here about uh, you know, what PDMA provides. You mentioned the foundation, maybe we can find out about that. And this integration of practitioners and service providers and academics. Can you talk a little bit about just you know, what does PDMA provide to a member that's interested in product things? I think PDMA can be many things depending on where you are on your career journey, right? It can be the place that you go to learn. It can be a community of individuals that you connect with and you learn from them directly. You can do it in a fairly light and easy way by interacting in some of, with some of the digital content that we have, whether that's through our knowledge hub, also called K-Hub, through our body of knowledge, which is more dense, or simply through presentations that are delivered online in the form of webcasts or, or whatnot. PDMA also has chapters globally, in fact. And if you prefer to do that at a local level, that's also a really nice way to engage with a community of peers and get exposed to companies and what they're doing and how they're approaching product development and product management. As you move through your career, I think what PDMA offers does, does shift, which is, which is nice. As you move along in your career, if you get more interested in the more abstract parts of product development and product product management, the research that's been done on, you know, how best to consistently put out innovative products and services, or what are the key components to creating excellent product teams that deliver over and over, or, you know, very industry specific things. I think we do have an A-grade journal called JPIM, Journal of Product and Innovation Management, and we have access to individuals in particular that teach at higher ed institutions that do a lot of research around that. And so, it's really, it really is dependent on where you are in your career journey. I think for most of us, it is not a place you go exactly, but it is a place that you belong as a product professional. And PDMA really tries to be the place where anyone, regardless of how they intersect with the product discipline, can belong and come together and converse and advance the discipline. That is not for everybody, but it is for many of us, right? And it is super helpful as you're thinking about your future. Do I want to be an academic? Do I want to stay in product? Do I want to be an individual contributor? Do I want to be part of a team? Do I want to lead a team? Do I want to lead an organization? Do I want to really be focused on development or am I more interested in product management? Or perhaps I'm more interested in the marketing side of things. Maybe I want to be a consultant. Maybe I want to be in a big consulting company or perhaps a boutique. PDMA, the, the wonderful thing about PDMA is you can explore any of those things. And so that is something I very much appreciate about our organization. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, you know, all these different areas, this obviously spans across industries, right? You, you talked before, like, you know, how PDMA helped you maybe bring some things to the financial service work that you were doing, uh, you know, different industry than your normal software engineering sort of background. And what I have found, I first encountered it at the local chapter level. And then as I got more involved in, you know, other PDMA things like the annual, annual conference and helping with some of the initiatives at PDMA, the ability to interact with people in different industries has been particularly useful to me. Mm. Uh, although my background was electrical engineering, it was software project teams I was usually leading. And just talking to software product managers, certainly useful. 
But when I, and I've told the story a few times, so I won't go into the details, but you know, when I first encountered a guy that was working with building supplies and spe- specifically roofing systems for commercial buildings, and to hear him talk about his work, that just made it more relatable to me to think about this kind of you know, product discipline more. And I found a lot, I have found a lot of value in talking to people f- across different industries and PDMA makes that really, really easy. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, so a place to belong and converse certainly fits. I'd like to ask you just about the academic dimension a little bit, right? So you said this brings together practitioners and service providers and academics. And I remember having this conversation with a few people that frankly spoke about the academic parts in not, not a, the best light because they felt like PDMA was, had too much of a focus on the academics and not enough on the practitioner, which frankly, I never related to personally, but I'm, you may have heard this in many other conversations. With my PhD hat on, right? So having gone the academic route in addition to being a practitioner, I didn't realize, frankly, until I did the PhD work that that's really all about learning to do research. Mm-hmm. And when you dig into things, basically everything that we do in management and organizations and business has roots from some kind of research that was done first, right? And then we right. brought, brought it into practice. And something I personally appreciate is there is a lot of academic research going on that PDMA benefits from and then helps bring that into practice as well. That's right. I, I think that, you know, each organization has its, has its own focus, maybe because of how PDMA started, because it does have some roots in individuals that were academics. That's how it's a, it's the third leg of our stool and always has been and probably always will be. Maybe because I too, you know, I was on the executive professor and adjunct faculty at Northeastern for 18 years teaching innovation, product development, you know, those kinds of things. I very much appreciate that. I feel as though if you solely are interested in research, there is probably a place in PDMA for you because we do have what we like to think is an A-grade academic journal, right, in JPIM. Oh, and and truly is, right? That's very easily defensible, I'd say. But you can probably stay there if that's what you want. But for many of the academics that are involved in PDMA, they are as interested, if not more interested, in how the research ultimately gets translated into practice. Because the feedback loop, you know, that's how you create the closed loop on, okay, this was the hypothesis, this was the test, this is the result, and this is how we refine the hypothesis. And so I feel as though PDMA does a nice job bringing those conversations and real-time applications of research together. I think one of our, one of our board members and academics said recently, as it relates to our best practices study, you know, academics do the research, service providers translate that research, and practitioners put that research into practice, that translated research into practice. Mm -hmm. Now, is that exclusively the case? No, of course it is not. But I like to think that there is that kind of dot connection across those, across those three. You know, we do have, you indicated there's a body of knowledge, you know, so we have an academic journal we have a body of knowledge. We have a certification. We also have toolbooks and handbooks, and those go a long way from research 
and truly academic endeavors looking at cutting edge ways of doing things, testing hypotheses about the what and the why of successful innovation, product, services, process, and so forth. But by the same token, our handbook makes things practical, right? right? I mean, you can, you can read a chapter and take a, take, you know, a page or two and try to apply it. So I think that is the single most important thing that makes PDMA different from many organizations is we do have that advantage and we focus on closing that loop. Yeah. And I also think that PDMA stands out because of the volunteer led nature of the organization. Yeah. It's people like yourself and others that are passionate about uh, passing on this discipline, you know, nurturing the discipline, helping others learn it just for the value of being able to create better products, right? And, and bringing something of value into the world, which uh, stimulates economies and contributes in many ways. And, and some dedication to that. And, and PDMA seems to be a place that attracts enough of those people to keep, keep it going you know, as a volunteer-led organization over these decades. Right. One, one thing I would add with respect to the academic side mm-hmm. and as it relates to nurturing our discipline, I mean, we do have a doctoral consortium. You know, we continue to hopefully sponsor and nurture academics that are focused on innovation, product development, product management, and so forth, because we do feel it's an important leg of the stool. And one of the most important contributions, there, there's all kinds of research that's being done, but every few years, PDMA has done this performance assessment study. And I think this year it's been renamed the best practices study, perhaps. Best practices study, yeah. Which is just this wonderful study led by academics that know how to do research and, and then analyze the data correctly and then disseminate it in ways that are useful to us as practitioners. It talks about what what is going on right now in the organization's that are better performing in innovation compared to other organizations, right? And I think we're all sensitive to this notion of, well, best practice for one culture and environment may not be for another, but it's a great study to look at what what is in common against across those best companies compared to all the other companies that are, are not performing as well as in innovation. And I, I just love that contribution that PDMA invests in every few years to do that study and share the results. Right. And when you look at the, you know, that, that concept of the best and the rest, right? Mm-hmm. As a practitioner, you really can take out of that what you want, right? I'm right. focused on this aspect of product management, or I need to improve in this place. What are the best doing? What are the rest doing? Can I take any one of those things and try to work on that in my team, in my organization, in my firm, and so forth. Right. So that's that's unique and valuable. It also lends credibility when you're the person trying to get a new program in place and your management wants you know evidence for why that's right. important. Right. And it helps out a good deal with that. So right. okay. The on this academic side, I know at the annual conference that PDMA has each year and coming up it's in Orlando that there is a academic day, kind of be ahead of the first main day, which I have gone to, and it's just great to hear all, all the different things that are being researched. And it is a pretty nerdy, you know, academic sort of experience, right? Very detailed research in very specific areas. But then you go to the big conference that takes place, you know, starts the day after that, and you hear some connections too, because usually there's some people that presented at the academic that are also presenting with others in the big conference. And you start hearing some of the connections into practice, Tell us a little bit just about the, you know, the conference. It, it's in November. What is like November 13th, 14th, and 15th, I think. November 13th, 14th, and 15th. 
and a terrible place to have to go to, Orlando, Florida. I'm from Colorado, so it's that's pretty delightful. Just tell us about the annual conference. What what are you looking forward to going on and going on then? Sure. So I think there are lots of things to say about the conference, not the least of which is it's in person and it's in Orlando. And I I, I can't underscore that enough, right? We haven't been in person since 2019. So we do have a, a new format this year and which, which really is in light of the pandemic and how much people do or don't want to travel. We have created the opportunity for, you know, one day participation, two day participation, three day participation, half day workshops, you know, opportunities to inter, intersect and so forth through Innovation Alley, Innovation Cafe and, and whatnot. So there are some really fun parts of the conference that, that are different from the past. But as you said, Chad, we start on Sunday with our JPIM research forum and our keynote is, is Marianne Lewis and she is an academic and her specialty, you know, maybe is, I don't know whether she'll speak to this, but around organizational paradoxes. And that'll be followed up by our, you know, finalist presentations for the Global Student Innovation Challenge. And there'll be lots of really interesting breakouts in the afternoon. And we're also, as I said, doing these workshops around the body of knowledge, which I know you, you know, and, and love and leverage. But instead this year, we are not forcing individuals and maybe forcing isn't the right word. We are al- allowing for the opportunity for participants to just participate in one or, or a few of those body of knowledge workshops. Very often, the body of knowledge is leveraged as preparation for the certification exam. But there's a lot of goodness in, in the body of knowledge itself. It's divided into seven chapters. There will be, at least right now, seven workshops that are scheduled and you can pick and choose. And so that's something that's interesting and new. I think that, I think you might be there hosting a podcast. That'll be interesting. I so people can come visit you at the Innovation Cafe. We are, of course, our, our Outstanding Corporate Innovator Award panel is also taking place on Sunday. We have some interesting keynotes. I spoke to Marianne Lewis, Brad Shuck, who is known for employee engagement is our is our keynote on Monday. Jack Schaefer should be pretty interesting. He's a keynote on on Tuesday, a retired special agent, you know, kind of focused on interviewing techniques and and detecting deception, if you will, which is super helpful for insight, right? Insight analysis, mm-hmm. customer insight, Absolutely. interviewing, that kind of thing. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Dan Olson. He is the author of the Lean Product Playbook, which I think he advertises as the missing manual for product managers or something like that. At least that's what my note to myself says. He'll also be emceeing on Monday, leading the workshop on Tuesday. And Jeff Thatcher, which is, you know, his his note is about transforming products into experiences. So it relates to the theme park that we're going to be at. How do you translate, you know, how do you translate that experience model into product development? So it's really going to be a robust conference in terms of content, mm-hmm. but recognizing people haven't come together in a while We're going to provide ample opportunity for connecting community, just impacting each other and our experience. And so I'd I'd invite anybody listening to this podcast to join us in Orlando. It's going to be, it's really going to be a blast. I think it'll be an excellent time. The conference was in Orlando in 
what was it 2018 maybe or maybe the last time we maybe had 19 i think it was Might 2019 be. because it was the last one i went to as well yeah that was the last one i i went to and it was a very good conference really enjoyed it and this year i will be there as well as you said helping to you know catch a few interviews for for the podcast and really looking forward to it. It's a good time to gain knowledge and also interact with others. And you mentioned the OCI panel, so the Outstanding Corporate Innovation Award. That's one of my favorite presentations, right? So the and I don't know if it's actually going on, you might know better, but in the past having the award winners was just about how they innovate, right? So the, these companies that won the award as the best innovator of the year what they do to innovate and all the great insights from from their practices. Right, right. We have some, the panel includes someone from 3M, I think Gorilla Glue, maybe Sherwin-Williams, and there's one other that I could probably look up. Church and Dwight, Church and Dwight, I think is the other. It's going to be fascinating. And it's always, regardless of whether you're coming from a smaller firm or a consulting company or a larger firm, I find those individuals to be absolutely inspiring. You can always end up with some kind of takeaway that you can bring back to help yourself, to help your team, to help your firm, to help your product, whatever whatever it is. And so yeah. totally agree with you. That's always one of the highlights of the conference. Yeah. And back to this notion of PDMA being a place to belong, right? And to connect and to talk about product. I've really enjoyed the conference, those interactions to network out with others, right? On, you know, for, whether it's a, some purposeful meeting or just a break in, in between the workshops. Regardless of if you're an innovator, product person in the really large company, you know, global oversight, or maybe in a small startup that's just starting to figure things out, everyone just loves talking with each other about product work. Right. And to that end, we're actually trying to encourage that through this innovation cafe. And there will be coffee and maybe <laughs> maybe other things too. But as to, to really <laughs> set it up, yeah, to set it up as as a cafe, as an opportunity for some of those informal conversations. A lot of those are going to happen before and after a session or in the hallways and so forth. But having a place to go if you simply want to find some community, talk to people about product because you don't feel like sitting, you know, and listening to whatever presentations are going. The idea is to create, you know, we know there's value in community. And so creating an opportunity to do that is a, is a thing that our co-chairs have, have put in place this year. And I will be hanging out in the Innovation Cafe. So if listeners so come are... come see Chad. Yeah, head of the conference, please come see me. Also, if you happen to be one of the people that are MPDP certified and your certification has lapsed because there's continuing education credits to, for that to do, PDMA is offering... If you attend those five body of knowledge workshops that Susan mentioned, they, they will recertify you if you attend those workshops without having to catch up on continuing education credits, which is a great bonus and a great reason to be there, too, if you want to get your certification current. Good. This has been really fun and love talking about PDMA and, and the upcoming conference. What is the best way for people to find out about more information about the conference, background on the speakers you talked about, and certainly look into registering? So certainly the website, pdma.org, is your, your, your best place. There's a banner above the fold right there. Click on that. There's a schedule. You can see it. And you can also, you know, follow us on LinkedIn. There's, we have a Facebook page. I mean, there are lots of ways to engage on social. But I would say for nuts and bolts and logistics, definitely pdma.org is, is your best bet. 
Okay, it's pretty simple. PDMA.org. Yep. As listeners know, we like innovation quotes. What did you bring us and tell us what it means to you? Okay, so the quote that probably anybody on my team would know and you see most often associated with me and my firm is success can be found at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. So the original quote, which is attributed to the Roman philosopher Seneca, is luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity, right? But we Mm -hmm. have co-opted that here at Meteor, and I like to say success can be found at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. You know, the first part is serendipity. The rest of it is up to you. I mean, it's a, it's a question of being able to be prepared to take advantage of opportunity when it, when it surfaces. Absolutely. Part of preparation is continuing to learn. And that's what we've been talking about a lot, an association that helps us as product professionals continue our learning. And so with respect to innovation, just closing that loop, Mm -hmm. I started at the beginning by saying, for me, innovation is about problems. It's about problem solving. And there, you know, in, in my 20 years of teaching, I would often get the question, you know, how do you go and be one of these, you know, big entrepreneurs that ends up being famous and rich? And most of us that are entrepreneurs will say, okay, that innovation all started with a problem that somebody was really passionate about solving. And so that success was really about being passionate about solving it, being prepared to solving it, and taking advantage of the opportunity that presented itself, whether that was through idea, know-how, resource, funding, you know, et cetera, and putting that all together to solve the problem. And that's how that comes back to innovation. Excellent. I appreciate you sharing the quote. I, I like the video take on that. The intersection of preparation and opportunity is where we can find success. Susan, once again, thank you for the information, sharing a little bit about your journey in product and the great information on what PDMA is doing for product professionals. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking. I feel like we could talk all afternoon. Oh, no doubt about that. And for listeners, we, we, we will cut it off here. But if you do want to go back to the written summary of anything that we discussed and also get that one page action guide with some key takeaways for you, you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 406. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.